0: Failure at 40. Failure at 40. Can you still be fulfilled at 40? Without the partner, without the children, the career, or the beautiful home, all in the picture. Failure at 40 interviews, debates and discusses the reality of turning 40. Welcome to another episode of Failure at 40. Today we're speaking to the talented Martin Wright, also known as DJ Milk Tray. The 42-year-old father, DJ and media personality will be hitting points like this. What?
1: A friend of mine said, nah, you weren't made redundant. God just released you because he had stuff for you to what? do. What's the point of me having all this knowledge and not sharing it? It was like, when I decided to move to Twitch, all of my DJ colleagues were still like, nah, I'm staying on Instagram. And I'm saying to man them, look, bro, there's an opportunity over here. One, where you can play your music and not get locked off. And two, you can actually make a little change.
0: Stay tuned for more on today's podcast. Welcome. To
1: failure. At the 40. At
0: the 40. Welcome to
2: another episode of Failure at 40. My name is Sham, the self-love activist. And I'm Shelley, the life coach. And today we're talking to entrepreneur Martin Miltray-Wright, who is 42, married with two children. Welcome to Failure at 40.
0: Welcome to Failure at 40, Martin.
1: Why, thank you.
0: Pleasure to have you on. We've been waiting to speak to you for a while now.
1: So it's a pleasure that you're joining us. I'm, I'm honoured to be here, you know, like that.
0: We're gonna jump on and crack on with the, the stories, I guess, and conversations. Go for it. So if you could tell us a little bit about Martin, who is Martin? What are his passions? What drives you every day?
1: Martin is the son of two amazing parents, you know, traditional Jamaican Caribbean household who grew up in Ballam, to in, and from a very early age had a, a passion and a love for music and entertaining of which I didn't really kind of understand until much, much later. And then, you know, kind of just going through life and and you kind of get to your teens. You know, I'd always loved music, always. I think the the summer of 1995 was the year that really changed my life, because that was the year that I decided to become a DJ. And
0: what made you decide to want to become a DJ? Is that one of the things that you do now in terms of projects and what you do?
1: Everything comes from the fact that I've been DJing since 1995. So everything I do, in most cases, pretty much has some form of DJing or entertainment in it.
0: And what would you say are a few of the things that you do at the moment currently?
1: So um, I'm a radio presenter, mentor, businessman, father, husband, all of that jazz. But yeah, I just, I just love entertaining. Over the years, I've been given some amazing opportunities to, to do it in, in my own way and create my own path and create my own lane and my own journey which has been amazing it's been amazing when I kind of sit back and look back at like where I am now uh, and look back on the journey itself there's been so much learning in it there's been so much development not even just mentally but emotionally spiritually even physically there's been just like growth but it's all had its challenges it's all had its ups and downs
0: You mentioned mentoring.
1: I started a mentoring. Well, it 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 fuses two things. So I love DJing. And what I realized is that when I've been doing like workshops, so big up to my guy DJR. He set up what he calls the Rights Academy, which is basically like a DJ workshop where we go into primary schools and after school clubs and that and teach young people. So a few years ago, he asked me to come on board as one of the senior Mentor, well not mentors but um, tutors on there and I'd never really done it in that kind of realm before but I just fell in love with it I fell absolutely in love with it so I, I was invited to a primary school not too far from like home uh, in Strattonville and given the, the opportunity to teach the kids after school twice a week for a good couple of years, which then last year led me down or created an opportunity where after the George Floyd kind of thing happened, um, Croydon Council were doing a rally and they they wanted to invite some, you know, respected black figures and community leaders in the area to come and, and speak. So they invited me and I, I spoke at the event And then a few friends that are within that kind of, that realm with regards in like the councils and and community work kind of said like, we'd love to have like a a program where you kind of fuse DJing with mentoring. Because I know I speak to a lot of young people. So we came up with the HOPE program. So the HOPE program is basically running DJ workshops, but at the same time running mentoring as well. What I've realized is that when I'm doing like one-to-one sessions or even group sessions, I've got their attention. So it's not just about teaching them how to DJ, but it's teaching them, you know, life skills. I mean, even from the young age with our sessions, you know, whether it be Rights Academy or um, the whole program, we teach them basic maths. So DJing from from the basics is is maths. So you might have a song that has like a 32 bar loop or intro. And then we might pick a song that has 16. And then we might pick a song that has eight. And you pick a song that has four. But if you break it all down, if you times it, it's it's basic maths. So the kids love that. Being able to be in that environment and be able to plant seeds in them is is really what kind of led me to start doing the whole programme. So we now work in Croydon. We've just been, you know, asked to do some workshops throughout the summer. I work now alongside Crystal Palace Football Club and their charity Palace for Life. And I'm also doing some work with the Metropolitan Police in Croydon as well. So,
0: so you expanded your age? Yeah,
1: age yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, the age the age range now is primarily the youngest I've taught is seven years old up until like our age. A friend of mine um, last year booked in for three months, and we had a we do a Zoom lesson every Tuesday at two p.m. and yeah, like we just went ham and like now he's like DJing and we did it all via Zoom. So this was in like the first full lockdown. Like we did that. So it's, it's been amazing.
0: And has that been the same with things? I know you did the is it Sunday service as well.
1: Because of lockdown, I think DJs, it, it really hit us, not just financially, but I feel just like the ability to engage with your crowd and your audience or, and people. A lot of our DJs that I'm sure that we all know, um, from our circuit primarily, and not just our circuit, but DJs across the world, jumped onto Instagram Live because it, it was a really good outlet as in being able to connect with audiences. This Sunday, I'll be celebrating one year of, of doing Sunday service. So my Sunday service is basically, I've grown up in church. You know, my family come from church, still part of church and all of that. And I feel like my my, my journey with God and my relationship with God has been one that has been very... Interesting because what I realized is that at a really young age, because I have to give you the backstory before I tell you about Sunday service. I grew up in church and at a point in my church life that you know I grew up with all of my friends. So like we grew up from the age of like five, six, seven, and then everybody got to an age where church was a bit more of an option, and a lot of my a lot of my associates were able to not come to church. It was optional. Yeah, had the choice. What I loved about my parents is that my parents have never forced me or my sisters to ever have to go to church. You know, especially when we got to that age, what happened was is a lot of my friends left church, but my church kind of had already foreseen some of the gifts that I'd been blessed with, but obviously I didn't really see it. So my church were like, you know what? If we can get Martin into church, if we can get him into ministry, then. He has the ability and the gift to draw people in, but I never saw it. And to be honest, I didn't want it. I was just like, do you know what? I'm good, you know, but I've just bought Biggie one more chance on a 12-inch. <laughs> and me and my cousin Ibs, we need I'm going to play out. Yeah. But I love God, but I'm not, I, I'm not that guy. I didn't. And the thing is, at that time in my life, internally, I suffered with with low self esteem with, with regards to like my, my, physical, because I was always the bigger one out of the, out of the man them. I was always just, so like, even when like me me and Ibs started our sound called Sweetway entertainment, he was like the puffy and I was the biggie. So <laughs> <laughs> even like my, my tag name, before I came up with, with milk tray, like my, my tag name was BMW. Now I know a lot of people don't know this, but my tag name was BMW. Now, the reason why I was called BMW is no, it wasn't because my dad drove a BMW, but which he did. And he still does. <laughs> but My tag name was BMW because I was called Big Martin Wright.
0: Did you name yourself? Or did somebody else name
1: you? I think no. I think I came up with it. No. Do you know? I think you know, you know who, I came, who came up with it. Nathaniel. Ten Faces. Yes. I think Ten Faces came up with it. He called me BMW. I was like, no, I like that, though. I like that. I like that. I love that. it. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> but it didn't stick for long because Milk Tray came around um, not too long after.
2: Where did Milk Tray come from? That's what I want to
1: know. Everybody asks this question. So, all right. I'm, I'm going to tell you the story. So, me and Ibby, now, you're going to hear this name a lot. Like, Ibs is, is my cousin, he's my bro. Like, co-founder. Like, we started DJing together. There would be no Sweet Boy Entertainment. And I don't think there would be a DJ Milk Tray if it wasn't for my cousin Ibs. So, let's just put that out there. So, we went to um, Kingston College one day for their open day. This is back in like '95, yeah. Now let's be honest. We were like, no, nah, we don't want to go Merton College because it's the nah, it's a little bit. I Don't know about Merton, you know. But hey, see, see Kingston, why oh, hey, Kingston. Oh, hey, couple,
2: yeah, hey. <laughs> Kingston,
1: right? Oh, hey? It's couple, hey, hey, uh, come on, uh, fifty-seven, boss, come on, uh. That's a long bus, right? If you sit next to the right <laughs> girl on a 57 bus, you know, it's odd it's all the it's all the cracking. So I was saying to I said, was come, can we go open day down at Kingston? Yeah. So we're there now, we're walking around the college and the union and all of that. I'm like, it's all right, you no. Know? And then he was like, Do you know what? Yeah, I think we should set up a little sound system, you know, because I was like, Yeah, yeah, man, let's do that. And he was like, What are we gonna call it? So at the time, as I said, like bad boy entertainment is it just exploding like we at the time we've got can't you see we've got total we've got craig mac we've got puff we've got big like you know what i mean like oh, we're in that me back,
2: taking me back
1: sp- right so we're in that space so me and ibs and as far as we're concerned like into in he's the puffy i'm the biggie but we can't call it bad boy entertainment because it's already taken so we said all right, you know what? Why don't we call it Sweet Boy Entertainment? I was like, oh my god, <laughs> sick! <laughs> that is so sick. <laughs> so we're in the refectory at Kingston College. This is not this is this is not made up. This is facts. <laughs> so he says to me, all right, cool. We're gonna call the sound Sweet Boy Entertainment. He's like, all right, cool. We gotta come up with some Sweet Boy names. I was like, all right, cool. I said, all right, So what are you gonna call yourself? He's like, what are the girls like? I was like. They like flowers and they like, and they like Valentine's. He's like, oh, do you know what? Boom. I'm going to call myself Mr. Valentine. I was like, oh my days, that is so <laughs> thick. I said, all right, cool. So you're going to call yourself Mr. Valentine's that? Like, so what are you going to call yourself? I was like, oh, do you know what? Girls like chocolates. He's like, yeah, they like chocolates. They like chocolates. I was like, cool. So he's like, all right, boom. Quality issue I was like, nah, fam. And then he's like, "All right, so what we say? What DJ Ferreira?" I said, "Don't even finish that, fam. You're trying to mock, man." And then he said, "What about black magic?" I said, "Fam, we're a Christian family. We don't, we don't promote that. <laughs> we don't promote the judge." Yeah. So then he said, "What about? Do you remember the milk tray advert?" I was yeah. like, "Oh yeah." What the one where he like jumps out the helicopter, swims in the sea, man fights ten <laughs> sharks climbs up the side of the castle, jumps into the window. She's in the shower. He puts the box of chocolates on the bed with the silhouette with his card. And then the catchphrase was, all because the lady loves.
2: Milk cherry. I said, that's my name. <laughs> that's my name.
1: That's my DJ name. And that's where it came from. I swear to God. And it's I never changed. I knew it
2: came from that. I knew it. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's where it, it came sense. from. It makes sense. All because the ladies love milk cherry. Yes. And the
0: name's just stuck and it works.
1: It's just right?
0: stuck since I was 16. Are there any other projects that you're working on at the moment? Anything that you know drives you, your passions, anything that that could be?
1: Sunday service is important to me. So as I said, Sunday service has been running for nearly a year. So I started doing an online church service, how the way I saw it. As a DJ, I love music, but creatively, my mind operates very differently. So anybody that's seen or heard me play, um, my brain is mad. So I take different things. Like I will mix like TV themes with grime or with bash, like I'm I'm crazy like that. Like, so I was in my studio. It wasn't even a studio at the time. It was just this room with a sofa. Yeah, and my one laptop and a controller. Literally one evening, it was late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. Uh, and I just like done an Instagram live the day before and literally God said to me, do you know what? See, tomorrow morning, you're going to go online on Instagram and you're going to do a Sunday service. I was like, I don't even understand what you're saying. I've As I said, I've grown up in church. I've always, like, even on my radio shows um, across the years where it'd be on, on top or flex, I'd never start my breakfast show without playing a gospel song. I got that from Angie Greaves when she used to be on choice. She used to do the same. So I've always been around gospel, you know, my wife is a choir director, et cetera. So it kind of came naturally, but I was always a bit skeptical because I'm a DJ, but I love God and all of that. And I've, you know, got baptized and did all of that. And God just literally said, look, I just need you to do this Sunday service. And I was like, all right, cool. So I literally plugged my phone in on an iRig and just did Sunday service, but how I saw it, so you might hear me play a Kirk Franklin and then I might mix it with the buzz rhythm. Do you know what I mean? Or you might hear me play like Akira Sheard and mix it with a funky house. And it just just started like that. It just grew. And then like every week, so I started, I remember like the first week I did it, I had like 150 plus people. And then every week it was just growing and growing and growing. And now we have like three to 400 people every Sunday. um, um yeah. that joined me um and and it's, it's been amazing because it reaches what the thing i love about sunday service probably more than anything is that it reaches those that churches don't reach or can't reach or people that don't want to be reached by church not everybody wants to come to a church some people have had bad experiences at church some people have heard bad things about church the thing about sunday service is that you just come how you are and the bible says it like, just come how you are like you don't have to pretty up nothing, you know what I mean? Just, just come. And, that, and that's what God told me to do. He said, son, just, just do you. I'll be honest, if I hadn't been that obedient at that precise moment, all of the things that have happened to me in the last 12 months, I, I can put on my hand on my heart and tell you, God would not have opened them doors. Because a lot of the doors that have opened in the last 12 months have come from the fact that I was obedient. It wasn't easy there was times when I was like, nah, God, I don't know about this. I don't know about this at all. But I've been obedient. I've run it every week. So I have not missed a single Sunday since when I started. Like, And I'm celebrating my anniversary this week. And so much has happened from that. You know, I've had people who have kind of found themselves coming back to church. So like, they'll come to my Sunday service and then they'll go, like to another church for their online service or people that have never really even thought about reading a Bible. Like one of my, one of my viewers, one of my congregation sent me a message and she was like, she sent me a picture and she sent me a picture of a full blown Bible, not the Bible app on her iPad or on a tablet or on her phone. She said I'd bought a Bible and that was just off the back of coming to Sunday service. So for me, that's the most important project that I'm doing. But also, I'm launching a radio station, an online radio station called Reach LDN Radio. I'm doing that with Simple Simon from Galflex. My cousin, uh, David, who's my, my manager, and he kind of runs Sweet Boy Entertainment. My producer from my previous radio station, Mike, and, and my graphics guy, the online guru called Falcon. And we're, we're launching that this year. But And it, it kind of all links into the Hope program, which I'm doing, which is my mentoring and DJ program. What we're doing is we we want to fill a void musically, but give young people an opportunity. So I'm 42. We're all kind of the similar age. We're all kind of doing and raving at the same age. But at the same time, we can still rave and listen to mommy and daddy stuff. Yes. And then there's still some of the young stuff. I can get down to a little pop smoke and that. And, I mean, <laughs> I, can, okay, I can do all of that. Yeah. But I feel like on the radio or musically, there isn't, somewhere that kind of uh, fills that void because I feel like capital extra represent one extra to a certain degree as well cater from maybe the early teens to late twenties. And then you've got the vibes, FMs, the my souls, etc. who kind of cater to our, the older generation, but there's a massive void for us lot who can go either way, plus we got our own stuff. That's the basis of the radio station. But what will happen is the whole programme will be running and we'll be running courses and teaching young people how to DJ, how to be radio producers, et cetera, and then they will come through and then they will start featuring on the station itself.
2: That's amazing. I love
1: that. That's that's what um, we're working on uh, at the moment.
2: Okay, Martin, I want to take you back a little bit. Describe for us and for our listeners a bit about your younger years. What was it like growing up in the right household? What are some of the challenges growing up? Tell us a little bit about that.
1: My my family dynamic is special. My parents are both Jamaican. My mum's family lived on road A. My dad's family lived on road B. That's how my mum and dad met. Because my mom and my auntie were going to school together. So that's how they met. I lived in road A. And then, as I said, like my other, so my grandparents' house on my dad's side was on road B. And then what happened is, is my dad's brothers and sisters then eventually bought property on road A. At a very young age, I was raised by a village, like a, a true. So I know we, we use that phrase, it takes a it takes a village, it takes a tribe, but I was literally the definition of that. But I was very, very close to two people. Um, My my grandma on my mom's side and my auntie Paulette, which is my mom's sister. Basically, I was my grandma's first grandchild. Some people in the family may refer to me as the golden child. I don't know. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where that, that term comes from. And then my auntie Paulette, I was the first baby she had ever held in her life. So my auntie P raised me as her own. So we And then we lived in the same house. So my, like my mom, my dad, my auntie Paulette, my grand, like all of that, we all lived in the house. And then across the road was like my uncles, my aunties, my big cousins. And then on the next road was like my other grandparents, my, my dad's mom and dad and that. And then like a couple of my aunties still lived in that house. So it was just mad. Like I was just always around family. And then like our next door neighbors were literally family. Like it was just a mad community. So for me, I grew up around a lot of love. My parents then bought a property in Thornton Heath mid mid 80s. So they bought this property in the mid 80s and moved to it just as, as I'd started primary school in Ballum. So they didn't want me to move out of school. So what happened was at this time now, some like people are then kind of branching out. So I remember like my auntie bought a house in Fortin Heath. One of my aunties bought a house in Norbury, Mitchum. So what happened was at that point now, it was me, my grand, and my aunt in the main house. My grandparents on my dad's side have gone back to Jamaica in like 84, 85. So I was practically raised by my grand and my aunt. And I was really blessed because at a young age, I had two houses. I had like my house, which I lived in Monday to Friday. And then on the weekends, I had my weekend house. Yeah. So I had my own bedroom and my own toy room. Like mad. I'm not golden. I'm not a golden child. Not not nearly. No. But what what happened was, is my, my grandma took ill and she suffered a stroke when I was really, really young. Primary school young? Infant. Okay. Infant. I was like infant school young, so I remember like my grand. I was probably about four, five. She suffered a stroke on her left side, so she was, you know, couldn't do, couldn't do nothing on that side. So I was caring for my grand from like a young age. So I would wake up in the morning. So my aunt still lived in the house. So Auntie P would get her up, and then she'd make breakfast, or I would bath my grand, or vice versa. So like I was caring for my grand from a really young age. And then like my auntie P left the house. So it was just me and my gran, like Monday to Friday in the house. And that was just an amazing experience. It was just amazing. Did it bring you closer together? The, the connection that me and my gran had is something that not a lot of people would understand. So, so one of my best friends used to live across the road, we got the Fianco family. I used to play over that house and my, my brethren Anthony, I've known him since the age of four, like my oldest friend. And I remember one day, I used to always be at Reggie's house and then my gran could call me. She could actually call me and I'd hear her. The connection. Nobody could hear it. I'd be we'd be playing on the Atari. And then all of a sudden dropped it. I, <laughs> Man, I gotta go. I'll be back in a minute. Remember, like, what are you talking about, fam? Now my grand just called me, fam. Was me. Like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> Run over to the house. So like one day my Bridget and Andy said, Nah, I'm I'm tired of this. Next time it happens, I'm coming to the house with so lo and behold, we're at Reggie's house. We're playing Bomb Jack on the Atari, and my grand called me. I said, "Aunt, I gotta go." He came with me, went into the front room, and lo and behold, my grandma was standing there saying, "Come and turn over the telly." <laughs> yeah,
2: from my next house.
1: Yeah, from a next, from across the road, and it's not nobody else could hear her, but I could hear her. Uh... This is like so. Some people might listen to this and be like, boy, I don't know what, but I'm telling you, this is real. Are you tuned my in? Bridger, my in. and Andy can confirm. So, like, I was raised by these two amazing women. And then on the weekends, we would then, like, my dad would come and pick us up because my dad worked in Ballum. So, he would come and pick up me and my gran, And then we kind of move everything. You know, like, when you're taking your kids to, like, stay at grandparents for a weekend, you got to move everything. So, we had to use the, we used to have to carry, like, My grand's like walking frame and wheelchair and all of that kind of stuff, just so we could stay at the house for like the two days and then come back down on the Sunday. Eventually, my parents then came back to Ballum and then we all lived in the house. So me, my gran, my sisters and mum and dad. And it was amazing, man. Just a house full of love, traditional kind of old school house. My dad's still very old school. My mum is very traditional mum. Me and my sisters have an amazing relationship. A lot of people hear me talk about my sisters. I talk about my family a lot. I talk about my dad and my mom and my sisters, but like my auntie P and my gran, wow. Like they they're the ones that really grounded me and and really molded me into the into the man and the that I am today. They laid a lot of financial core issues or like education like my my aunt was telling me and teaching me about savings and business and all of that from a real young age. And then like my, my grandma was like my moral compass. Jules, your friend, you know.
0: What impact do you think some of that village kind of upbringing has had for you now in terms of how you kind of address and interact in the world?
1: It's still everything for me. So that's why I'm still, that's why I'm so passionate about the next generation, because it takes, it takes a village like some of the, some of the young people that I know or that know of me, they're coming from single parent homes. They don't, they don't have that, that male role model. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not saying that I'm perfect in any shape or form, but it's for them. Like some sometimes I get messages from them and it's like, you're the most consistent man in my life or, you know, those kind of things. And you, you can't put a price on that.
0: Some of the things that I found, um, when because I, I came up doing a lot of youth work in the very early days, shout out to St Bonnie Face, and Hub. <laughs> <I'm up. laughs> and I found that sometimes young people just needed another person outside of their family unit just to show them some some aspect of love, kindness, warmth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is just an extension of the village. And I yeah. think in today's world, it's forgotten how powerful um, something yeah. as simple as that can be for a young person.
1: Yeah, definitely. 110%.
0: Um, I I love what you said about your family. It reminds me very much of a, you know, typical West Indian families, especially if you've come over in Windrush as well during those times. The community tend to be like that.
1: My family is, and we're we're still really tight on both sides. So my mum's family are primarily based in Birmingham, um, Wolverhampton. Like they're out of London. But like my Gregory family, that we're still really tight as well. So it's not just my dad's side. You know, but like I've been moulded by these two families and it's, it's just been amazing just to see how much of them that is in me. So when you think back and you think about all the, the the times when your cousins were talking to you or your aunties and your uncles were talking to you. And then, you know, 15, 20, 30 years later, you're using them lessons and thinking, oh, I get it now.
0: Absolutely. And definitely I'd say in the 80s and 90s, Ballin was a real strong stronghold for people of colour, there was some, and and even just religion as well, I'd say.
1: Balum, 2, listen, there was one day, I, I remember leaving school, this is when I was at Graveney yeah, so I remember doing like extra lesson with a friend of ours who's a female, yeah, so I remember walking down to Amen Corner, this is how, this is our church, this is how it used to be, so we walked down to Amen Corner, it's a Friday, now my friend is heading towards Fig's Marsh, I'm walking towards two in Broadway. I hugged my friend. This is how the community is tight. We was tight back then. I hugged my friend. Bye. I've got home half an hour later. I've come in the house. Come here, son. Yes, daddy, because I still call that dad, dad daddy. Yeah. Yes, daddy. So, uh what's this area uh, about kissing a girl on the road? <laughs> <laughs>
2: wait,
1: wait, 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 wait. And you know, you know that nervous laugh that. <laughs> Which I think made it worse Like I didn't even go quiet I did the nervousness (laughs) Oh my god Who from church saw that (laughs) Because it it was just Ah babes I'll see you later Have a good weekend Boom By the time I got home Dad was on some Yeah 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 Somebody here say y'all kiss up girl on the road (laughs) Kissing up girl on the road That's not how I you man Hold on dad I did that I just hugged and said bye well, that's that's not what I heard. I heard say you you was on the road and you and you kissing up girl. Don't do that, man. Don't do that, man.
0: Martin, please, no, don't do that. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I know. Oh, I'm not
1: joking. This is real life.
2: It really reminds me, like I mean, I, my mom used to do that to me. She would call and she'd say, "So what? Well, you walking on the street looking like a tramp?" Because my friend them saw you with your shirt hanging Aye. outside skirts. I like, what? What are you talking about? Right. <laughs> But
0: you know, <laughs> I'm laughing because 'cause I've heard this so it's many so times for different lovely. individuals who've been sighted somewhere. They've got them. Um, they haven't even mobile phones out, right?
1: This is the thing. Yeah. So and and the thing is, I know how the phone call went. You know. Hello, <laughs> brother Kingsley. Yes, yes, me. Yes, I'm. I'm all right. Yes. So I was on the 133 bus coming from, from Broadway Market. And I, I don't know, I'm not sure, but I I, I, think, I think I did see Martin on the roadside. And I, I, I'm not sure, I can't confirm, but I think I did see Martin kissing up girl on the road. So I just thought I would let you know, okay? All right, Brother King, I'll see you Sunday, okay? God bless you, bye. I know that's how the phone call went why did they do this? <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is real. I know that's exactly how the phone call went.
0: Listen, I got caught smoking a cigarette. I got seen smoking Ed. a cigarette. And by the time I got home, my mom was always into guilt trips. She was like, I failed as a parent. Where did I go wrong? Where did I go wrong? I tried my best. The one cigarette, you know? The is one is <laughs> fun. Why did I do, who, why did you do that? Why did
1: I do that? Daddy Milk Tray ain't odd that he just came straight up. So, you're kissing that girl on the road, yeah? Is that what, is that what you're doing? All right, cool, cool, cool.
0: The why, why are you kissing up people on the road, people picnic? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, so, Martin, I guess you know, as Sean was saying, for your what would you say was significant in your life through your, like, your 20s, your 30s? What things have stood out that have really kind of informed who you are today, would you say?
1: For the 20s and 30s, I'd, I'd say my career at Carphone. My career at Carphone Warehouse was like really the defining thing. So I started at Carphone, left college and walked straight into Carphone Warehouse. Me and Ibi again at the same time.
0: I think we've, we have missed out 95 here. And I think we might need to uh, uh, back a little bit. Oh, do you bit. want
1: to go back to 95?
0: Only because I think there's a lot more on the DJ development. There's, there's a lot.
1: You- I mean, so so 95 was the year where, as I said earlier, I became a DJ. We started Sweet Boy Entertainment. We had our very first party in Balham, Terrapin Road, Are You Mad, <laughs> Yellow Flyer. I was such a groupie. Yeah, Just was there. Shells was there, yeah, that. Anyway, anyway, they was Listen, playing. Black bags on the window. I can't. No, 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 no. Subs <laughs> in that. It's real subs. Yeah. Uh, no dress code. No AC. <laughs> basic <laughs> set. Yeah. Oh. The amp. The amp blue. <laughs> the tree man behind the amp blowing. on it to cool it down. <laughs> Please, All of that. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we started Sweetwear Entertainment. We start raving. We started our raving life. So, you know, for us that day, you know, them days it was Tuesday, Gas Club. Wednesday, Hanover Grand. Thursday, Samantha's. Friday, SW1. Saturday, z Sunday, Bug Bar or Bar-Rum-Bar. If there's a big thing, then we're going North London. We're going Temple. Yeah? Well, we're going Equinauts, We're going Hippodrome. Yeah. Oh, Maximus. Westwood. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, when Westwood came to Streatham. Oh, wait, yeah. Megabod got locked down. Bo, It was mad. <laughs> but I, to, to be honest, I just remember just the, the struggles of being a DJ. And I think because at the time, as I said earlier, like I, I really didn't have the confidence in myself like how I am today. So I lacked self-confidence. I really did have low self-esteem. I was always, and it was good for me at the time because we were in baggy clothes them days. So I was cool. But I remember, I remember one time walking home from school. I don't want to mention our friend's name, but I remember walking home from school and one of our female friends said, Martin, you know you got bummed like a girl. I was like, what? (laughs) What, in my click suit? How can you see that in my click suit? Yeah. (laughs) I got my click suit, I got my ballies, but I got my ballies on. Not even raggers in that. That, that. that day I remember I had my ballies on. My swag was up, high top, gone to Uncle Starsky's. I had the, the parting in the middle. And then she's like, Yeah, yeah, like you got girl like so. I I really did suffer with low self-esteem. So being a DJ and having somebody like Ibs, who is so flamboyant and, and you know, just you know, just charisma was perfect because I was the DJ, put me behind the decks and I'm great. And then just let Ibi go and do all that. Do you feel that built your confidence? Yes. Yes. That that definitely did. Even being at church, like me and Ibi used to perform at church. There was a time when we did convention and um, they asked us to do put the young people choir together. And this is around the time of Sister Act 2. So everybody is going to kill me for telling this story. But everybody... Was like, all right, you know the song Joyful Joyful? We're going to do that song. So, me and Ibby was like, yo, do you know what? We're going to do the rap. Yeah. Do you know, remember, you know, remember my rap? Joyful, 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 God, we adore thee. And in my life, I put number before thee because when a young star came to know that you was the only way to go. So, I had to go and come to understand. So, <laughs> me and Ibby are in his house. The con- convention, Young People Day, is Saturday. We're in his house every day from Monday to Saturday watching the video. VCR and just rewinding that bit and writing the lyrics down. We get to convention. The whole church is run. My church, Big Up New Testament Assembly, 700 plus in church now. We go out there and then like, whoever's singing the lead was singing the lead and then it gets to the part. So Ibi steps out in front of the, all the, the crowd and then he forgets the words. And then I'm standing there in the choir because my, my time's to come but because he's forgotten the words, I'm now like, whoa. So Ibi's trying to do a little dance thing. And it was like, you know, in church, like, you know, when people forget things, they're like, go on, go on, (laughs) go on, you go on, yeah? Yeah. You got this. And for whatever reason, we just could not remember the words. And then like, we finished the song and then we came off stage or, or from the choir. And then like, we said, we'd never ever go out on stage and fluff like that again. And that, that was like a landmark moment for us. And for myself, because Ibi was always the front man. And I, I wasn't, I was the guy behind the microphone, behind the turntable, behind the guy with the mic. So when Ibi started doing some other work, um, which meant I then had to kind of become the front man, it was hard for me because I was still suffering and just like my, my self-esteem just really wasn't there. And then what was happening is at that time Martin's self-esteem wasn't there, but Milk Tray's was starting to grow in confidence. You know, you know the friend zone. <laughs> I was before friend zone was a thing. I was Mr. Friend Zone. I was every girl's best friend. I'm gonna be on it. I'll give it straight. Bear girls from ends from tooting. Best friend. Martin's such a nice guy, know. I love his family, know. <laughs> such a great home. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my god, and he's he knows music, you know. But like nobody nobody wanted to be with me, but everybody I was like every girl's best friend. Milk train now started to get attention. I like, oh no hold on wait a minute. Oh okay, oh <laughs> okay,
2: <laughs>
1: all right, okay. So milk, tra- all right, cool. And then you know, Ibs Ibs kind of had to go and do some other stuff, so I had to take kind of you know the become the front man, and then we ended up kind of re- you know, recruiting uh, Morris, Morris came in at the time, T21, uh, Rudy was still part of the team. So I had to become the front man. And, and it, it was, it was hard, but that's when I fell in love with radio. Um, and I felt like also like my time at Carphone having to speak to like different people from across the world every single day, that really helped me to build my confidence because I really wasn't. So even at that time I was suffering like with weight, And I would wear, like even in the peak of summer, like you would never catch me without me being in a suit because I just wasn't confident. Like I could be baking, but I'd always be in a suit because I just wasn't confident.
0: Had anybody ever said anything to you that made you, that impacted your self-esteem other than your bottom? Um. (laughs) (laughs) But was there anything that kind of really kind of impacted how you felt
1: by yourself? Do you know what? And I think what happened was at a young age, I think I was in secondary school at the time. So your, your hormones are changing, body's changing. And what happened was, is that in my body, there was, there was a, uh, an increase of, of the female hormones. So then what happened was, is I actually developed man boobs. So, and I wasn't like overweight at the time, but I just, I had man boobs and it really knocked me. And I actually got kind of bullied for it and that when I was in secondary school.
0: Did you understand what was happening to you in terms of the hormone
1: increase at the time? I I didn't initially. So, you know, you go to the doctors and then you go to the hospital and they kind of, we went through a lot of things. So they put me on a diet plan and that, and that didn't work. And then we kind of worked it out. So I actually had to uh, operation on my chest and have like the tissue removed. And then they stitched back the nips on, on my chest when I was about 14. Which was which was which was a bit hard at the time because around that time or that year, I lost my gran. So that just knocked me. This
0: is grand that was hit Thornton Heath
1: Gran or No, this- yeah, yeah, this is this is Balam. Yes. Call me from across the road, grandma. This is like my world. Like my gran, my world. Like, so I lost her when we were, when I was about 14. Cause I remember that that August. when we were coming back to school, I was going to be starting GCSEs. So within that year, a lot had happened. And you know, like, when you're younger, you don't really think of things in, like, year time. But when I think back now, I was like, wow, like, a lot kind of happened in that space. So I think that's where a lot of that kind of weight issue thing came from. Was music
0: an outlet for you?
1: Music was definitely a massive outlet, a massive, massive outlet. And again, as I said, it was being able to use the persona of Milk Tray you know, me and Ibs would come to parties and with Joseph and them, man, we'd, you know, we'd turn a party over. So being able to do that in the realms of Milk Tray, I was like, rah, let me, you know, let me be Milk Tray. And then what, What I think what was happening in my, in my like early twenties, I was then trying to work out who Martin is and who Milk Tray is. And there there were points in my life where there was there were scenarios and situations when I should have been Martin, but I was actually more Milk Tray. And then there were other times when I, when I should have been Milk Tray, but I was a bit more Martin. And it's taken me a long time to kind of get to this point to be able to balance the two. Because to be honest, they are two different people that just that are in the same body.
0: Yeah, like Superman and Clark Kent. Yeah, hit.
1: they are. They they Pretty literally much. are. So yeah, that's, that, that's definitely something that the weight thing was really kind of an issue. And, and so since 2013... I've been on my weight loss journey so I think at my biggest I was 22 stone plus now down to like 15 and a half floating around 15 and a half 16 you know and yeah man it's it's been an amazing journey it's had its ups and downs but overall yeah man I'm I'm well happy
0: how did that journey impact you just the weight loss journey I guess
1: the the thing that I I learned the most out of it I think it was discipline if I could apply That level of discipline to that, then I can take that energy and apply that to so many other areas in my life. So whether it be business, whether it be relationships, whether it be finances, just my mental state, you know, relationship with God, how much time I spend with God and all of that. I've learned a lot from that. So that's what I got from that.
0: And would you say, because obviously you've got little ones, gotten married. So to me, there seems to be other pinnacle points.
1: Pinnacles, met Mrs. Milk's early August 2008. So at this point, I'm still working at Carphone. So I, I'd been at Carphone just shy of 21 years. The 7th of April last year was the last, uh, that was my official last day for Carphone. Some people would say, I at first called it, you know, being made redundant. But a friend of mine said, nah, you weren't made redundant. God just released you because he had stuff for you to do.
0: It's an amazing way to put it. Yeah. yeah,
1: I was like, oh yeah. So I was made redundant in April. He's like, nah, bro. My uncle Ade said, nah, you weren't. You weren't made redundant. God just released you because He had stuff for you to do. So um, I spent 21 years there. Um, I met Mrs. Milks there when I was managing the store in Balam. I
0: mean, did she just walk in and you met her, or did she? <laughs>
1: uh, want, I mean, if you want, this, I mean, alright. So <laughs> we got simple Simon from Galflex. Um, Simon came into my shop. We're talking iPhone 3 GS time, you know. Let's 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 so that kind of gives everybody an idea, yeah. iPhone 3 GS is has just come out. Simon's come to my shop, he's got the phone on a contract, he's gassed. So that same weekend now, he's going to a party put on by who is now my sister in law. So he goes to the party, turned off his iPhone, and then Mrs. Milk's there. She's like, Oh, I really want to get that phone, you know. He's like, Yeah, yeah, go and check my guy Milk's in Ballum. And it will sort you out. But the thing is, these times, I used to only work Monday to Friday because I needed weekends for radio and playing out. So that's how I set my rotor Monday to Friday. And my assistant manager would run the store. And then I, so Simon phoned me and said, yeah, one of my bridges is going to come and get iPhone. And like, I'll be honest, I was like, Si, all right, cool. So he sent me the details. And I've said this before, I love Simon, he knows this. But I wasn't too sure on the calibre. Of, of lady that he knows. You know, like that. In the sense of, is she going to pass the credit check or not? You know, like that. So,
2: <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> so he says the details. These days is before chip and pin and all of that. So I could just literally boom, 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 do the credit check. So she passed in it. So I've set up the phone now. I've left it there for my assistant manager. He's then going to sort it all out. I then come back now after the weekend And then Simon phones me the next week and says, oh, there's some issue with her SIM card and this, that, and the other. And she's gone to the store in Catford or Bromley or Lewisham, wherever, because she's from Southeast. She thought Ballum was in Northwest London. (laughs) You know, you know like that. So she's like, I don't really want to have to go all the way back to Ballum to go and sort it out. But he was like, no, you've got to go back. Like even the store said. So this Saturday now, I get a phone call from my assistant manager who phones me and says, Fam, Milk's. My belly is cutting me, fam. My belly is just take me. Can you go and open up the shop? I'm like, bro, just hurry up in it. Just hurry up and just come in because I've got things to do. i got radio at 12. Cut long story short. Half past 11, my man phoned me. Milk's, I'm not going to make it. I'm vexed because I'm not meant to be working because I've got radio. I've got all this stuff doing. But lo and behold, that was the day she came in. If, he, if his belly hadn't tech him, I probably wouldn't have met her.
0: And was this
1: a simple. Saw her again and thought, "Wow, actually." My, my 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 sales consultant came into the stockroom because on that day I was dressed in my normal clothes. Cause remember, I wasn't staying. So he come in the stockroom. He's like, "Uh, milks. Uh, there's a lady outside to see you about SIM card." I was like, "Yeah, all right, cool. Like, you know, you don't want to, you know, like even the cap probably like this." <laughs> you know I mean, I was in, I was in my like I was literally practically in my house clothes. You know, like that. And then she came in I'm like that. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <"Ooh." laughs> Whoa. Whoa hey, hey. So yeah, how like, old we- was you? How old was you at, when you met your
2: missus?
1: I was just approaching 30. So I okay. met her early August. And then like the, the later on that month was my 30th birthday. Yeah. He had just turned 30 in April. So we kind of met at a good stage. We we're both in good like jobs, earning good money. And then, yeah, that's how we met with, you know, what, 12 years, something like that down the line.
0: And are you in a circle of people who are generally getting married? Is that something quite common in your circles?
1: I'd I'd probably say, yeah. When, when I think about my circles, most of my, guy, like, my immediate team, most of my guys are married. And if they're not, they're in some mad, long, committed, like, long-term relationships, like. So, yeah, I feel like... It's, it's pretty, and to me, it's just, as I said, because I came from a traditional Caribbean home, it's just, it's standard to me. It's the, all I know. Like, not even just from my house, but like my uncles, aunties, etc Like, the divorce rate in my family is minimal. I remember one time I phoned my dad. I said, dad, it's get on my nerves, you know? I can't take it no more. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, for me tomorrow. Bye. <laughs> oh, what, oh the, oh the, where's, where's the words of wisdom? Where's the yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 that was it, you know. Just literally, yeah, yeah, for me tomorrow.
0: Was not, it entertaining, not any entertaining any of that.
1: You signed the paper, you said yes, that's it, done.
0: <laughs> finished.
1: Yeah? You said yes, that's it. That's, that's um, how my dad is.
2: <laughs> Thinking about your like your 20s and going into your 30s, did you have like a plan that you had that you want to achieve things by, or did you just kind of like just float and see how it
1: went. Was there a plan? I, I had the plan, yeah? And then this this woman come and mash up my whole plan. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be honest.
2: Was she not part of the plan?
1: You lot, you <laughs> lot, be, you, you lot are lucky we're not, we're not doing this one on video, you know, because if people can see my facial expressions right now,
0: <laughs> yeah?
1: mashed up the plan. Mashed up the plan. I was stacking peas. I was stacking peas like Roadman, you know? <laughs> I was playing out, I was working full time, like I'm not even joking. Yeah, I had money in trainer boxes, like 20s, all folded, under there, I had like stacking in that. Yeah, man. And then <laughs> next figure though, know, come two years later. Ah, oh, we get we're having twins. What? Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> what are you talking about? Twins? I don't even, I don't even, under, what is that? And you see my mother-in-law? My mother-in-law come put a bad mouth on me, you know, because you see the week before the scan? Yeah, we was at her house, gone there for dinner. Is that like, ah, it looked like it's twins in there. I said, don't come put your bad mouth on us. It looked like it's twins, you know? looks like it's in there, you know? I said, you see it? head? You see it?" No, I had a plan. I had a plan, you know, I wanted to be... I wanted to be on one extra. That was the plan. You know what I mean? I was doing pirate radio. Started doing pirate radio in like 2003 on Delight FM. I was, I was doing, I was doing this, and then you know what my plan was. There was other bit plans, but this was the main plan. The main plan was to get onto like something like Capital Extra. No, well, it wasn't Capital Extra. It was, it was Choice them days. It was either Choice, Kiss, or Capital Extra. The plan was to be able to get onto one of those stations. Primarily Capital and um, uh, One Extra. And be able to have that logo next to my brand, next to my name. Because then I knew that I'd be able to charge more than what what we were charging at the time. Yeah? Because I'll be honest, our circuit with regards to the DJing thing, the money is is dead. So when you see a DJ doing three or four bookings in one night pre-COVID, that's because... the the, the most we could ever charge was like a hundred pound, one fifty at a push. So for for me to make it worthwhile, I've got to do three or four bookings on a Saturday night as where if I was on like a, uh, if I was on one extra, I could be doing one booking and charging the same money that I'm going to get for doing three bookings. That was my plan, but I wasn't God's plan. It just wasn't God's plan. So there were so many times when God had kind of maybe creaked the door open. And I was really trying to push this door, like really, really trying to push this door open. And it wasn't opening or it would crack open, but it wouldn't open all the way. Like I was doing work with Ace and Viz, and then Ace would be like, Ace is a good friend of mine. He'd be like, Oh, send me a demo. Because I heard that they're looking and at the time, I was doing lots of little guest bits and pieces at One Extra. And so they knew, who, they knew who I was. So he was like, yeah, do a demo because they're talking about you. And then I'd send the demo in and then he'd be like, yeah, it's landed on the boss's desk. But then guess what? The next day, the boss has now got a new job at Radio One. That happened to me numerous times between Capital Extra, which was choice at the time, and One Extra. See the funny thing though, you see how God works. God told me, to start doing Sunday service last year. I had no reason to do it. I had no reason, I was like, I don't even know why. You know what, God, I call, right, cool. I'm just gonna do it. In February, one extra emailed me. One extra emailed me and said, oh, guess what? We've been listening to how you, you mix gospel with hip hop or fun house and the, the whole mix and praise thing you do. Ah, uh, guess what? Can we have that on our station? I said, look at God, look at God. So the plan, the plan was to be on One Extra. But that was my plan, innit? That weren't God's plan.
0: And was that by a certain age? Did you want that by 40 or did you... It didn't matter when it came. I wanted it way before 40. 20, 21, 25,
1: 30. One Extra started when? Like 2003, 2004? I wanted to be on there by like 2010. 2010, I was like, no, I need to be on One Extra. Because at the time, I was like really popping on pirate radio like you couldn't listen to the pirate radio and i'm not on if i'm not working i'd spend all my time on radio i was like nah, and then, and then the thing is i got upset with god i got vexed like i'm like nah, but hold on god i'm more than capable of being on these stations why why are you not gonna put me there
0: did you feel like that was your calling did you think that was your calling
1: yeah my plan was to be the next shorty blitz that was it and to be able to still be here but be doing all this stuff. Like, I never foresaw any of this. Children and wife weren't in the equation. No, 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 no. The kids were definitely in it. The wife was definitely in it. I don't know if twins was in it. <laughs> twins weren't in my equation. Yeah. Cause I tell you right now, twins is a good thing. Okay. Let me check my NatWest
0: app.
1: <laughs> let me check my NatWest app. The thing is, yeah, I'm going to be really honest. I was working full time at Carphone. I was in management at Ballum and it got to a point where a few things were out of of control. One, my weight was out of control. Two, my quality of life wasn't great either. And three, like my mental well-being was was really bad. I decided to step down as a manager at Carphone and I went part-time. So I went from doing 45 plus hours as a manager in Carphone, because it's never 45. It was always closer to like 50, 60, sometimes 70 hours. And I went down to part-time and I really kind of put my family through it. Like, at that point, I was the main breadwinner. I'm like, all of the money that's coming into the house is primarily coming from me, because Mrs Milk's at home with the twins.
0: At this time, you're trying to juggle radio. I'm DJ. trying to juggle
1: radio, car phone. 45 hours plus. 45, wife, kids, parents. You know, like, cause you know, Sundays, I still got to go mum and dad's and, you know what I mean? And play out trying to build an empire, all of that kind of stuff. So something I had to give. So I, I just, I, I stepped down as a manager and went down to 15 hours at Carphone. But doing that, I put my my family in a position where it got really tight. And I'm, I'm not afraid to say that. There was times in, in my life where I had no money. Even now, there's times where I know some people might see me and think, oh, Milks has made it. But even last year, being made redundant, and the funny thing is, is at that point with regards to my career in Carphone, the plan, the plan for Carphone was to make Milk Tray outweigh Carphone. So it got to a point where I'm now at Carphone one day a week. I was there because I just wanted to be there. I didn't have to be there because the scale had tipped. I, I, like, I had weddings, christenings. I was doing Milk Tray's motivation, my event. Like I was doing so much. So financially, I was I didn't need car phone, but I just wanted car phone because I still love phones and all of that. So to be in that position was cool, but there was times where I had no money. Imagine like the twins are really young and I'm saying, boy, I don't even know if I've got enough money to put petrol in the car to get to work so that I can go and earn money.
2: Did you see it as a failure or at the time, or did you just thought it was a challenging time? Like how would you have at the time, not now looking back on it?
1: I think at the time, a feeling of, of failure as a man, yeah? And and we can get deep and a bit serious. Like, I feel like even in the situation where I am now, with regards to, like, how how the house is and all of that, if I didn't have the, the balance that I have, I'd probably question myself because sometimes you feel like, oh, the man them should be earning more. Like, we we made a decision in our house six, seven years ago that it made more sense for the wife to go back to work full-time instead of me. Because at Carphone, there was, uh, there was gonna be a maximum that I could earn doing the amount of hours I was gonna be doing, and my quality of life would have been dead. So it made sense. So it, so made it made, made more, more sense time. for the wife to go back to work full-time and work full-time and earn literally double what I was gonna earn at Carphone. In that sense, being able to put myself in that position and know that I'm not going to be earning as much as as the wife is, it didn't put me in a position where I felt like I'm not being a man because I've been able to spend the last five, six years picking up the boys from school every day. I get them home, do dinner, all of that kind of jazz. So the the bond that my sons and me have, like we have just an amazing bond. And then they get to see me as the man that I want them to be So they see daddy in the kitchen cooking dinner. They see daddy washing dishes. They see daddy hoovering. They see daddy tidying up. They see all of this kind of stuff. And I think it's important for them to see that because when they leave the home and they get old and whatever, these things need to become standard to them. And like it's standard to me. So like I've seen my dad and my uncles, et cetera, all cook, clean, et cetera, and do all of that jazz. So to me, it's nothing. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't, It's not like, oh, my God, like, you're doing that. Like, to me, that is standard. So it was important for me to take that time out and be able to to plant into my sons. And the thing is, because they're around me so much, they they know the struggles. And I think that's one thing that I love. And I think that's something that the generation before us, I don't think it's a a bad thing or a good thing, but they just didn't really tell us. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, my sons know my story. So they know... They've heard me speak on many a platform, like even like my my Milk Trade Motivation live event. You know, I started doing Milk Trade Motivation as a, I, I didn't even realize I was going to become a motivational speaker. Like I've won awards for it and all of that kind of jazz. But for me, the greatest thing is for my sons to be there and see daddy speaking to a room full of people and inspiring others. And then one time they came to me and said, all right, dad, can we have our own stall at the event? I was like, Wow. Okay. All right, cool. So what are you going to do? They were like, we're going to make lemonade. I said, Yeah, yes. I said, all right, cool. Say no more. So we sat down with them, explained to them like, boom, boom, boom. They checked out how much they need to spend. So the wife went out with them, bought them the stuff. She made the lemonade. Um, but they put it all together. And then they came to that, that milk trade motivation that, that year. And they made like £120. Then what they did is after we finished, they realised and they were like, all right, cool. So we spent £40. So what we need to do is take £40 out of what we made, reinvest that back into the next time and then this is what we've left for profit. They then flipped that money. It was the next time I did the event, it was around Easter. So what they did is they added bun and cheese.
0: gosh.
1: So they went from earning £120 the first time to like nearly 160 or like 180 pound the next time, they sold bigger cups, more bun until like it was mad. So, and and I think a lot of that has come from the fact that they're around me a lot. Like, and as I said, it takes a, it takes a it takes a tribe a village to raise. But they've learned a lot. They they're in the car with me when I'm talking about, you know, a wedding booking or booking me for this or I'm trying to get that. They hear all of that. So, I think. Being able to be in that position and take that time out or, or step away as a man, even though I'm not earning as much financially, or at the time I wasn't earning as much, has definitely benefited my family in the long term.
0: I wanted to just touch on something you said earlier just about the impact on your, your mental health and your emotional well being when doing so much. Um, I don't think we enough men talk about sometimes actually how things are for them and how, um, and how they're internalizing that. And so if you could just touch a little bit more on just some, how you manage that, how it manifested, maybe some of the coping mechanisms.
1: I I remember a point in Carphone and I was managing my store in Balham. I've got the family, I've got all of that. And I remember calling my, my, my Godfather, my uncle Freddie. And I'd said, uncle Fred, I can't do this no more. Like, I can't, I, can't, I can't do this no more, Uncle Fred. I was so unhappy with just life. And and for somebody for somebody to hear that, and that's why I, like, I love these kind of platforms, because I know that genuinely I'm a happy person. I love life. Like, you know what I mean? God has blessed me and given me so much, and I'm really grateful. But I feel like as a man, sometimes you need to hear it. And there was times when I was just like, this is long. I don't even really want to do this no more the married life, the parent life, the work life. I was just like, no, like, Uncle Fred, I can't do this. I can't do this. There's no training
0: for it, is it? There's
1: no training. No, there there isn't, there isn't. And my my thing had always been, when my grand passed away, my gran left most of herself in my aunt. So I'd already been raised by these two women, but then I lost one. So then everything went, so like, my auntie Paulette is everything. Yeah. So any problem I have before, like literally, I'm on the phone to IP. I'll be on the phone to IP. I'm on the phone to IP. And when when she passed, so she passed away about three years ago. And that was just the worst time in my life. It's the worst, the worst time in my life. I was I was prepared to give it all up. I just wanted to just give up life. Because I was like, if my IP is not here to cheer me on physically then I don't want to be here. I really don't. I I just, I actually don't want to be here. God, I know. and God, I love you, you know, but I don't want to be here. I want to be right next to my auntie P. So I feel like I, I went through a really low point. I went through a really low, and I've been through a few of those. Like, the thing I can say is, for me, that the coping mechanism has been, one, having some, you know, older men around me, like I said, my Uncle Fred. I've got a couple, like, like men in my life, like I love my dad. Everybody knows I love Daddy Milk Tray, but Daddy Milk Tray is not the kind of guy. He got. Hey, 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 guy! Look, man, it gets tough sometimes, man. But so go, go work it out, man. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah, come on now. So, <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes I don't want to hear that. Like my uncle Fred has has been amazing, and and I've got I've got a circle of friends like like my you know my brother in law. I've got a couple guys around me who, and we just keep it really real. I've got my team and I love them. And like, even like when my auntie Paulette passed, one of the, one of the things I, I will never forget is the way that like David, Morris, Ibs, and like JR, like the way that the man then flew to the hospital. Like, I will never forget that. And I will, I will love them eternally for that. And you know what I mean? Like I was able to just, when I saw them, like I had everything together. But as soon as I saw the man them come in the hospital, that was it. For anybody that knows, like, Morris T21, Mo don't really do. If Morris is on the phone to you, it's 30 seconds. Yeah, yo, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I right, cool, boom. But Mo came in and he just held me. And literally, like, literally my, my legs gave way. And, but, like, that moment there, I, I love them for that forever. I've just got some really good men around me, but I, I, it's going to sound so corny. But if it wasn't for the relationship that I have with God and like the way that my my faith has developed, I really, it if it's only it's only the grace of God why I'm still here.
2: I think it's so amazing, like how like I've got this connection now from like when you're talking about when you were younger, the whole village that that was around that you felt that you belonged to. Like I feel like feeling a part of the community is so important. And then you're talking about being as an adult male and still having that village, still having that community. And I just think people underestimate the importance of having a village throughout your life that is always gonna be there to support. We don't do that enough. We don't keep the community that we had when we were younger. And I just think that's a really beautiful message
1: to the listeners. No, thank you, man. It's, It's real.
0: How easy would you say it is, Barton, to form and maintain those brotherhood circles?
1: And having the, the guys around me, there are, and, and the thing is, one thing we have to realise is that not everybody's going to be there for every season. We have to understand that. You know what I mean? There's, there's been people that we've grown up with or me and the them have had around and it's, it's just not the same. And, but it's, it's, and the thing is, it's not like a love man any less, but we're just not in the same remit. We're not in the, do like, you know what I mean? But when I see you out on the road or whatever, it's mad love. But it's not, not everybody's meant to be there for every season. Ibi is going to be there for every season. Morris is going to be there for every season. David's going to be there for every season. JR is going to be there for every, like, Simon's going to, do you know what I mean? Like, there's certain people that are just going to be there for the, for the long haul. But I feel like I've found it quite easy in the guards that. What I love about the guys around me, especially because we work together. So it's not even just like, a lot of guys have their mandem, but that's your mandem, isn't it? but we are also business partners together like we've been doing business together for however long we was putting on house parties and raves and we was you like, you know we used to put on raves at, at citizens in Wandsworth it used to be called the theater and we're all rustling up the little two 200 pound each that, that we're making from your little Saturday job to book the venue. but one thing I love about the man like We've never like me and E.B., me and Morris, whatever, like we've never had an argument over money. And one of the things I love about the guys around me is that everybody knows everybody's strengths and weaknesses. So Sweetwear Entertainment as a collective of of young or oh, we're, we're grown. Grown <laughs> black men. Yeah, cause we're not that young. Yeah, we're seasoned, though. But you know, I mean the collective of of, of of black men coming together. You know, the world would normally say to you, really and truly, that shouldn't work or that shouldn't last that long. But the fact of the matter is, I know and they know everybody's strengths and weaknesses. So we're able to work towards that. When we're putting on a dance or we're putting on a big thing, the fact of the matter is, don't let me organize it. I'll phone the venue, book the venue and then the man, them. this is the deposit. I called, right, cool. you know what? Boom. And we pay that. That's my job. And then my other job is to promote and tell the world. I'm really good at that. I'm a good salesman. I was a car phone for nearly 21 years. I'm good. Don't let me be the one organizing the VIP areas and who took that bookie because I'm not that guy. But you see Morris and David, that's them, that's them, innit? Morris is that guy. David is the guy who puts it together all in the background, yeah? JR's the one that just keeps us going. And, and like, producer man, he's just the man that... If you need somebody to do any job at any point, he's there. So we all work to each other's strengths and weaknesses, and that's how we're still working. We apply that in life as well. So you know, we all know each other on a bit of a deeper level. Some of us have got a little bit of a bad temper or whatever, but we know how to manage that. You know what I mean? Like we've been in situations on the road, and I know some people might not even want to believe this, but we've been in situations that sweep the entertainment, and it had to get a little sticky so Like, what? Okay, for us. Uh- all right, for what is that? What man saying? Oh, okay, brother. All right, cool. Let me just roll up my the, the sleeves, please. That you know, what I mean, that's that's the reality.
0: And I guess it's also the beauty of of friendship is that it, it has ups and downs. As it yeah, were. it does. Uh, but I, I would definitely say for Sweet Boys Entertainment, who also uh, supported me when I did my first event, which was in like 1998. Come on. Stuff it, <laughs> Stop Stuff it, <laughs> Stop it. Like, Imperial Gardens in Campbellville.
1: Wait, listen. <laughs> that DJ booth was a myth. You had to climb up this mad ladder. <laughs> I remember. So, this is with records, you know. This ain't with lappies, yeah. Some bang Bangduli ladder, and then I've got to carry these what the boxes there. Nah, you're taking liberties. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I mean you I think you guys have always been a part of the community in terms of not just supporting each other and your developments um and holding on to that brotherhood, but also supporting those
1: around you. Morris is a teacher, uh, DJR is a teacher, uh producer man is a teacher, uh Warner's a trainer. Like it's yeah, that's what we do. We serve. And like I said, I think even before we went on record, like I think you kind of said like what's the purpose? And I feel like my purpose is to serve.
0: Yes, definitely. And I think you're doing an exceptional job at that. And Thank you. Not just here, but also motivating the masses as well. And I, I'd love to see so much more coming from Milk Tray's motivation in the future as well. I feel like we've missed we've missed that. Once we can, once I can get
1: our auditorium, you know. It has grown. It was growing. It was. I mean, it started as a feature on my radio show on On, on Top for the Breakfast Show. And then I decided one day just to book a venue in Croydon I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, no idea. Like I said, like, I'm the guy who books the venue. Like, I'm the one who has the idea. And then what happens is, is Warner puts it all together. So I'm like, oh my God, Warner, let's do this. And he's like, okay, cool. Like, logistically, I was like, I don't know. We're just going to do it. That event sold out. Twice? It sold out. And you
2: and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to buy a ticket. I'm going to buy a ticket. And, it's, and it literally, I was like, the tickets are gone. And then I think you opened up more tickets. Yeah. Then it was gone. It was, it was gone. I was like, what?
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, it's, I mean, even that, you know, being able to kind of go from the, the realm of being or known as a DJ to now being known as this community leader or, or, or figure big, big up my bro, Freddie Kruger. Cause Freddie, Freddie, Freddie says, you're not, you're not a DJ. You're, you're an inspiration who just happens to be a DJ.
0: Agreed. Agreed. So many different levels exactly to you. I think there are, and you shouldn't forget that.
1: No, 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 no. I think now in the stage where I am in my life, I, there's no way I can forget that because I'm, I'm constantly reminded of it every day, whether it be a comment or an email or, or something, or just somebody saying, do you know what? Thank you for doing what you do, whether it be, you know, streaming on Twitch or just doing whatever. Um, it's, you know, I'm always constantly reminded. And the, the great thing is, is that I've got a, an amazing family and core around me that keep me grounded and keep me humble.
0: Would you say there's anything about sort of society? Because obviously you've got a quite strong family network, but outside of it, that's ever made you feel the pressures about society's failures?
1: Yeah, definitely. I've, I mean, I've, I've I've looked and thought, oh, like I don't drive that particular car at this age. I felt like we'd have sweet boy entertainment, We'd have this this office block. We were signing artists and and all of these things. And you know I me mean? like I've always felt like you know that, and it didn't happen. But at the same time, where I am now, I kind of look and say, "Wow!" Like, but man's done this, this, and this. My grand always told me nothing before his time. Even in in the failures, like there's been so many times when we've we've done events or. You know what I mean? I've, I've done a venture and it hasn't gone the way that we wanted it. Do you know what I mean? Me and Ibi, um, like two years ago we brought back our, our family variety show back the Broadway Theatre in Catford and um, we used to do it when we was at college uh, or Sorted of Flavours variety show. I know like we started doing that when we were at college at Nesco and then we left college and then we booked Fairfield halls when we were like in our early teens, just two young black men just put on a suit and phoned them up and said, yeah, like, can we have a meeting? We want to do this show. And then we did that for about six, seven years straight at Fairfield. And then we stopped doing it, you know, like just life gets in the way. But then like every, every year or every couple of months, like, if you like, no, we need to bring back the show. We need to bring it back. We need to bring it back. And then we decided to bring it back. And we brought it back in 2019 and I felt like this was going to be the one that was going to be like the financial breakthrough. We was, I was going to be able to like make some money, like some good change, but a week before the event, we'd only sold like 50 tickets. Once again, God said to me, all right, cool. Guess what? You're going to pray and fast from today until the day of the event and look and just watch what I do. I was like, Oh man, fasting you know sure so i did it so i said 50 tickets in it on the day we sold three over 350 tickets by by the day of the event now i'm going to tell somebody somebody's saying about failure i lost two and a half brand on that event i lost two and a half bags but what i gained out of it is that god allowed me to stretch my faith and my trust in him so and what that did was what I didn't realize is that event was preparing me for lockdown because I had no idea that lockdown was going to come. 2020, I had over 27 private bookings that included weddings, abroad, Holy per weddings, up and down, christenings, birthdays, all of that. Lockdown came last year and shut the whole thing down. I got, I got, I got, the, I got the free up money from Carphone they gave me, initially after twenty-one years of service, they offered me two and a half bags. If we want to talk about failure, yeah. But because I'd gone part time, they based it around the hours that I was doing. I sent a, a nice little email. We got Shakira, always have a name drop. We got Shacks. She sent a little email because she used to work in HR at Carphone, and they pushed out to four bags. So I had four bags. I got four bags out of Carphone when there were people there that shorter time but we're getting like 20 bags 25 bags i know a man that has been in the same time as i had and got 25 bags but you see when you do all of that i just felt like wow but there was no that the the failure was learning because god said to me i have to i'm gonna have to strip everything from you fully and then guess what I'm just going to line this thing up for you. But all I need you to do is just be obedient. So when I felt like I was failing, when I remember the calculations for the show came through in 2019, and I looked at my bank account and said, wow. And I phoned Ibs. I said, Pop, because I call him Papa. I said, yo, Papa, I'm about two and a half bags down, you know, Pop. And this is like coming up to Christmas, you know. This is like November now. I'm saying, hey, Pop, hey. Christmas is gonna look a little in proper, <laughs> he said. Wait. But God's never let me down, man. Like there's always been, there's always been a thing, and I think last year really allowed me to know that even in, in my failures, there's learning. I didn't know how to do certain things. I had no idea. Like doing a business like with your man name is cool, but having to like work with the police and all of these kind of things, like it's a different ball game. There was learning in that, and there were some little hiccups and stuff, but we got through. And what I love about this podcast, I love the, I love the name. <laughs> it's the name that gets me like when I first saw when you put out episode one, failure at 40, because you're like, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> failure 40. That that's exactly how it works. What, what are you trying to say to me? Yeah. But the thing is, there's learning. Like there was so much learning in the failure with regards to becoming a DJ. Like I used to sit in my bedroom for hours on end failing. I had to, I had to fail my way to success. I could not mix. I was put the record on play and then, Hey, whoa, stop, (laughs) talk, play the next one. Or it was the beat was playing and then you hear the next one. (laughs) Whoa, hey, Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a different groove, bro. That's a different groove.
0: It wasn't that bad.
1: It wasn't no, that bad. No, babe, babe, it was bad. It was bad. Yeah, <laughs> but my you sister- were committed. You were committed. Yeah. My sisters will tell you because, like, one thing I love about my sisters, they they were like my 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 in house audience. They used to have to just sit in my bedroom and hear me clanging, <laughs> clanging. And then th- these are the days we're doing it on on turntables. There's no screen. There's no BPMs. There's none of that. And I just had to consistently fail my way to success. Like to the point where like now, like people look at me like as a proper mixer, like I can take one thing and you'd think no, and mix something else with it.
2: Okay. So our last question I want you to think about real nicely so we can give the audience, the listeners, something positive to end on. What would you tell your younger self or the younger generation coming up behind you?
1: I love this question. I love it. I do. I do. I love it. I love it. What would I tell younger Martin? You know what I tell younger Martin? i tell him, don't worry, because I used to really worry a lot, like heavily. Not so much in my teen years, especially like when I kind of got into my 30s. When I got into my thirties, you know, I've I've met I've met the misses, you know, you know, you're kind of doing that kind of thing. I I really worried a lot, especially like as I said earlier, you know, quitting my you know my managerial position and all of that. I was I was a, in turn like I would really worry myself sick sometimes, like blood pressure mad high, you know. So I was I was overweight and then stressing about like just the littlest thing. And I would really tell myself, you know what? Just, I know it's going to sound, and if you want to take it cliche, but like, let go and let God. That's what I would say to myself, yeah? Let go and let God. Because I've had to learn that in the last year. Let go and let God. And the moment I let go and let God, he gave me Sunday service. He gave me the whole program. He's opened doors with the the Metropolitan Police, Crystal Palace Football Club. He's opened the door that I've been dying for him to open in a a realm where I never thought it would open. So I wanted to be on One Extra to be a DJ because I can play anything. But God said, no, I'm not going to put you on One Extra to be a DJ because I want you to play gospel. I want you to play it your way. And then once you do it my way, then guess what? I'm going to open the door for you.
2: Yeah. I love
1: that. That's what I would tell my younger self. What I would tell my youngers, though, is that there is a massive, massive opportunity with regards to how you establish yourself with regards to business and opportunities. The internet is here. Oh my days. It has changed the game. And there are some of them who get it. And there are some that don't. And I don't think just for the youngers, but I feel like for, especially for us, like the over 40s, don't be afraid of technology. The thing that I've loved and the thing that I've always been into other than music is tech. I'm a nerd. Yeah. Anybody that knows Martin knows that I got old phones in this room that are like, trust me, they're older than some of your pick me. Cause I love <laughs> phones. I love tech. I, right now I've got a device here. That's got 6,000 retro games on it. I love tech, but we can't be afraid of technology. We got to embrace it. And like, just I know, this is what I love about what, you're, what you lot are doing with this podcast, you've just embraced technology. The podcast market is massive. There are people out here that are making some serious money from it. And you need to have that online presence. One thing I've been able to really do, and I think that has totally helped me, is my presence online. My presence on my social media, online, whatever, it's, it's I'm on it. And
0: have you found it been easier for your business as that's developed more.
1: To be honest, I don't think Milk Tray would be where he is today, hands down 110%, if it wasn't for the fact that I embrace technology. Because the fact of the matter is, we've been on lockdown. I've been doing lessons, DJ lessons via Zoom. I've, I've left broadcasting on radio to, to then do and stream on Twitch. So Some people don't know what Twitch is. Now, if you're a parent, you might have heard your young people or your kids say, oh, they're on Twitch. It's a streaming platform for gamers. But the fact of the matter is, you can monetize that. Even this podcast, you could be on Twitch and doing this, on Twitch and monetizing it there and then. And let me just break this down real quickly before we finish. So I've now stopped streaming on Instagram Live and that because there was too many problems and you were getting locked off and all of that kind of stuff and you can't play the music that you want to play. That was the main reason why. But I've now moved over, over to Twitch in October. And I can tell you, for the last three months, Twitch has paid my bills. Twitch has paid my bills. Twitch has kept this roof over my head. Like, as a man, like, one thing you don't want to do as a man is have that conversation with your partner and be like, boy, do you know what? And I know, like, everybody's circumstance is different. And I know we've been through, like, just the most, you know, traumatic 12 months. But as a man, I don't want to have to have the conversation with my wife and be like, babes, you know what? I can't really put in my half this month, you know? I don't really want to have that conversation. And as a DJ I, and, you know, being a DJ full time, what was my options? It, there was no option. So I heard about Twitch. And funny thing is, imagine one of my sons, the Mini Milks was telling me to move over to Twitch from April last year. Wow. He said to dad. he said, daddy, you should go on, you should stream on Twitch, you know, it's good. I said, nah, son, I'm, I'm okay on, on IG getting locked off and not, mon- not being able to monetize. <laughs> Imagine that. I actually said to him, nah, son, I'm all right on IG, you know, because I'm good over here, yeah? <laughs> and then in that 12 months, I've built a home studio. So, like, when you say, oh, let's do Zoom, that's light. I could, I, look, I've got lighting, I've got lighting here, I've got cameras here, I've got camera here. And that's because I'm streaming. I'm on Twitch three, four times a week. And that is now paying my bills to the point that now I'm actually saying to myself, you know what? If and when we come out of this so-called lockdown, I can then say to a man, boy, I don't really want to come out and play. Like I can now I'm in a position now where financially not only has my price gone up because I've been putting in work, so I'm just letting man them know. Cause a man phoned me the other day. He said, oh, I want to book you. And then he took a deep breath and went, do I need to remortgage my house? I said <laughs> I don't want you to have to, I don't want your them to live out on the road, but my price has gone up. But now I'm in a position where I can choose whether or not I want to go out on a Saturday night because ultimately what I don't want to do is compromise my Sunday service because my Sunday service is a thing that has opened the doors and I, and I have to respect that. So now it's a case of a man says to me, oh, I want to book you on a Saturday night. I'm like, bro, to be honest, I could spend three, four hours on Twitch in my house and make, and make decent money and then still get to my bed at one o'clock and still wake up and still be able to do my Sunday service. So that's what I'm saying, like there's things out here. Don't just like shut out technology. I know there's so much new stuff and it's all popping off and whatever. But there, there is great opportunities for us to monetize. Even down to this podcast, if you go onto Twitch right now, now Twitch is a gaming platform. Now I've got the Twitch screen open behind us on this screen. Yeah. Now, if I go to their main screen, like you won't see it, but I'm gonna go to their main screen. They've got different categories, yeah? So the categories work in games, music, sports, and then they break it down into subgenres. Do you know the most viewed um, area? Is Podcast. just talking.
0: Talking, audio, yeah.
1: Just talking. There's more people watching people just talking than there are people watching playing games or like watching DJs, DJ.
0: Thank you so much for sharing. It's been absolute honour and pleasure to have you on today. It
1: has been a pleasure. Uh, thank you. It's been I a, can't amazing.
0: say enough of how much I've personally been motivated just by listening to you. Um, and, and the energy that you deliver it with. Um, thank you so much.
1: No, thank you.
0: No,
2: you've dropped some real gems today as well. Thank you for that.
1: No, like it, that's that's what I'm here for. Like I said, what what what's the point of me having all this knowledge and not sharing it? It was like when I decided to move to Twitch, all of my DJ colleagues were still like, no, I'm staying on Instagram. And I'm saying to man them, look, bro, there's an opportunity over here. One where you can play your music and not get locked off. And two, you can actually make a little change. Now, there's DJs over on Twitch. Man's like, hey, listen, I don't know if if I'm going to play my car on the road, you know, fam. (laughs) And man's like, yo, I'm making this money from my house. And what people don't understand is from like the DJ perspective, it just has a knock on effect. So I'm tired. I've been DJing since I was 16. The likes of me being up and out till five o'clock in the morning really do not, they, they don't, there's no, it doesn't appeal to me anymore. And it stopped appealing to me for a long time, but it was a means to an end. But now I'm in my house. The kids are here, they're in their room on playing. The missus has gone out. She's out on, she's gone out, gone get a little juice. Now it's her birthday coming up this weekend. Go and drink, go and have a little fun, go drink a little drink with your friend. Yeah. Before, if that was a booking, now, mom, dad, i got a booking, you know. Uh, So i got to take the kids to have a mom and dad's or my uh, auntie Fee's house or my mother. They're in the house. I'm in the house. It's good. She knows that we're all home. There's one word before I go. There's a level of peace in my house and in my life that I'll be honest, I have not experienced. The last 12 months, there's just been a level of peace that God has put in my house that I've never experienced. And it's probably, and when I think about it, it's been arguably the most financially challenging period of my life. To be in that position and have that level of peace, you, it, you, you don't even want to upset that.
0: So where can, where can our, our listeners find you? Where are, what are your handles?
1: It's pretty much the same everywhere, apart from Twitch, DJ Milk Tray on everything. Most of my stuff is on Instagram, so Instagram is home. So DJ Milk Tray on Instagram, DJ Milk Tray on Twitter. Those of you that still use uh Bookface, it's Trey Sweet Boys. If you use high five, I just shut it down. Can't find me on MySpace. Sorry, I, I locked that one off. I know some of you are still trying to use black chat, but we, we let let that go. Yeah. Um <laughs> Absolutely DJ Milk high Trey high on five. Snapchat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't use high five no boy. We got to let people we've got to let these things go. Yeah. Some of you, some of you still try to use it. Let go, yeah? Snapchat, DJ Milk Tray. TikTok, DJ Milk Tray. Twitch is DJ underscore Milk Tray. And that's where you can catch my Sunday service on a Sunday from 9 a.m. And then I'm on Twitch. I stream Tuesday and Thursday mornings from 10 a.m. And then sometimes I just pop up randomly over there. And then, yeah, look out for the, the new radio station, Reach LDN Radio. The Instagram is up and running. We did a test broadcast last week. On, online. The app will be out. DJs, roster looking good. I'm excited. Look out for the whole programme. Uh, we're going to be doing some workshops at Crystal Palace Football Club at Selhurst Park in the summer. You know I mean? I've just secured a little office space in Croydon now. So, yeah, man. God is good. That's, that's what I'm going to say. All
2: the time. All the time. Failure
0: at 40. Failure at 40. Welcome to Failure at At <laughs> Failure at 40. Apple. yeah.